Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Welcome back to another Sunday Perspectives uh, show here on the Cloudcast. Um, hope you all have been enjoying these. We've been uh, adding to the, to the main feed, and uh, I know we've gotten some very, very good feedback on the last couple of shows. Um, the last couple of shows, we've really kind of done look backs, you know, what's What's happened? Uh, we looked at Andy Jassy's sort of uh, history at AWS as he transitions from uh, leading AWS to leading all of Amazon. We looked at uh, some lessons learned from OpenStack, uh, you know, almost going back almost a decade and kind of how that's impacted some of the other infrastructure projects going forward. Today, we're going to look forward uh, in, in this week's uh, Sunday Perspective. We're going to look at, you know, what might the 2020s, this, this next decade, which we're already, you know, a year or two, depending on how you count, um, you know, we're in a little bit into the 2020s. Um, obviously, you know, we probably aren't going to be 100% accurate looking forward uh, that far, even if we look forward five years. But, you know, sometimes it's good to sort of step back uh, and think about, you know, what are the things that we that we absolutely know, sort of apply the Jeff Bezos test of uh, what do we know probably won't change. And then also look at, um, you know, what do we expect will change? And then what are some of the big unknowns uh, to kind of plan for or to consider, uh, you know, for the big three, four, five uh, public clouds that are out there. So with that, we're going to kind of dig into those topics in today's show right after the break. Today's show is sponsored by Cloud Zero. For software-driven companies focused on growing margins, Cloud Zero is the only cloud cost intelligence platform that puts engineering in control by connecting technical decisions to business results. By analyzing cloud services like AWS and Snowflake, Cloud Zero provides real-time cost insights that help you maximize margins. Engineering teams can answer critical questions like, who are my most expensive customers? How much does this specific feature cost our business? What's the cost impact of re-architecting this application? With cost anomaly alerts via Slack, product-specific data views, and granular engineering context that makes it easy to investigate any cost, Cloud Zero is your complete cloud cost intelligence platform, connecting the dots between high-level trends and individual line items. Join companies like Drift, Rabbit7, and SeatGeek by visiting cloudzero.com slash cloudcast to get started today. That's cloudzero.com slash cloudcast. And we're back. And folks, as we mentioned in the in the kickoff, we're gonna kind of look at, you know, kind of where we see the next call it a decade. We may only look forward about five or six years, but uh, that far in our industry is still pretty far in advance. But really want to look at, you know, what are some of the things that we can expect out of the big public clouds, whether we think about it as the, the big three public clouds or, you know, there's five or six in play, however you want to look at it, um, and things that may emerge over time. But we really kind of want to look at, you know, what we can expect out of the next, you know, decade, five to 10 years, things that we we feel really confident in, things that are, uh, you know, we expect to, to be part of the change landscape, but we're not exactly sure what that's going to look like. And then we're going to really dive into some of the big unknowns as to uh, what might really change the landscape. So why don't we dig into that? And let's start with sort of the the uh, Jeff Bezos test of, you know, not predict what your, what your business will look like in the future, but, you know, what do we know in this industry that we feel really, really confident won't change um, 
you know, in the future, in the next, you know, five, five plus years, if you will. So I think what we're going to put on that list, uh, first and foremost, is we're going to see more and more adoption of SaaS applications, right? We're seeing uh, this already. Uh, SaaS is, is already the largest segment of cloud computing, even though we, we talk about the big three all the time. SaaS is still the largest segment of cloud computing. Um, you know, as of 2020, it was about $120 billion. Um, put that in perspective, if you, if you add up the revenues of sort of AWS, Azure, and Google, um, you know, they're probably sort of more on the order of $70, $80 billion in terms of their their market cap. So, um, you know, maybe slightly more than that. But, you know, SaaS is still probably 30 to 50% larger than the uh, than those three cloud providers. But keep in mind, you know, a lot of the uh, SaaS providers do run on top of, um, you know, the big three or four cloud providers. So I think we're expecting to see more and more adoption of SaaS, um, which, again, will not only... Um, you know, change the landscape of how people interact with applications. They'll be getting more and more out of, you know, running a lot of their core applications, allowing those to be SaaS applications. Uh, but also, you know, that's going to add to uh, the amount of usage of the public cloud as, as those SaaS applications are run in the public cloud. The next thing, obviously, we expect to see more and more migration of applications from the data center to the public cloud. Uh, we've been seeing this happening over time. Uh, it's still somewhat of a process. I think we've we've seen quite a bit of low-hanging fruit uh, move to the cloud. Uh, we're beginning to see uh, you know more and more technologies made available, whether these are you know, services that come from your SIs and, and sort of uh, integration partners that are helping to do this in mass. We're seeing tooling that helps this in mass. Um, you know, we're seeing more and more of some of the applications and the services that you expected to see in your data center become uh, native cloud services, if you will. So uh, more and more migrations into the public cloud. I think we'll, we'll continue to see the growth of you know the three or four, five big public clouds. Um, you know, grow right right now. They're you know somewhere south of a hundred billion dollars. It wouldn't be unusual to see that become you know probably closer to a three hundred billion dollar sort of number by the time we we exit the next decade, if not maybe even slightly higher than that. So wouldn't be unusual to see that kind of growth. I think the third thing that we're going to see that we can you know pretty much guarantee is that uh, we're going to see huge capex spending um, by the big three, big four, uh, but especially the ones who are not just in the technology business, right? Who are also have uh, major, major other businesses uh, that they're supporting. So you know Microsoft, uh, Microsoft, Google, and uh, and and Amazon. Um, you know for a couple of reasons, I think we can feel very confident in this, at least in the near term. We're probably going to see uh, lower interest rates kind of across the globe as we're all trying to recover from the pandemic. We're seeing, um, you know, incredibly incredibly low interest rates, so they're able to get capital very very cheap. Um, they're able to make very very big long term investments. Um, so not only are they trying to grow their cloud business, i.e., you know, buying a lot of servers, expanding into new data centers, new regions, um, edge regions, sort of near edge, far edge regions, and so forth. But also they're making huge capital investments for the other parts of their business, right? We're seeing all of them or many of them, you know, trying to get into other more vertical businesses. So whether those are healthcare or uh, things around autonomous driving or transportation, uh, you know, delivery services, gaming services, AR and VR services, financial services, things that are, you know, huge, huge spending areas in the overall economy, but also things that take up, you know, enormous amount of computing power, but also, you know, where things like, 
uh, locality of real estate is really important. So, you know, we're going to continue to see huge, huge capex spending uh, from these companies um, to support both, you know, their expansion of cloud computing uh, resources, but also, um, you know, this expansion of other types of businesses that we're seeing them either dabble in, partner in, or directly uh, get get involved in. I think the next thing that we can feel very confident is we're going to see more and more rapid adoption of ARM technologies. And, um, you know, obviously we've, we've seen, you know, this happen in the mobile space. Um, we've seen this happen now in, in laptops. We're seeing it become more of a thing in the public cloud, um, you know, across the board. And, and that does a couple of things. Number one, um, you know, at the most basic level, it's proven to to bring down computing costs, right? In some cases, you know, 30, 40, 50%, right? So, um, you know, and I, and I expect that we're going to see, because of the way the cloud providers uh, work with their chip partners and so forth, you know, they're able to, to flip their environments. Um, they're able to um, have more latest technology than oftentimes the, the enterprises do or mid-market companies do. Um, and so, you know, when you have those sort of economic uh, differences between maybe what goes on in your data center and what goes on in the public cloud, especially at that level, um, you know, you're going to see more and more not only migration to the cloud but adoption of of those ARM technologies. Um, those things will, you know, then trickle down into storage and other types of things. Um, so we'll see some some pretty significant, um, you know, kind of overall cost savings that'll that'll drive out of that. And then the last thing I think we can we can feel really comfortable in uh, this is both sort of a we we know that this will happen but we're not exactly sure how it will happen um, you know edge computing is going to become a much much bigger thing obviously we're seeing computing pushed out into all sorts of locations um, you know the normal evolution in our industry is is we consolidate and centralize and then we distribute and then at some point we go back and consolidate and cent- centralize then we go back kind of go back and distribute you know. We've been consolidating and centralizing around the big public clouds now for nearly a decade, uh, but we're going to see this this expansion and distribution happen out to the edge. Um, so I think we feel very confident that that's going to happen. We're already seeing that happen, but there's also a lot of evolution that has to happen in the edge, and we'll talk about that more in the sort of uh, other trends and unknowns. But you know, the the footprint, what exactly it's going to look like. Um, you know, how do you do management updates of thousands and thousands of devices that have you know, limited network uh, bandwidth in a lot of cases or in far-flung places. Um, you know, how do you do it without truck rolls? How do you do security for these devices? You want them to just be plug and play, but you also want them to be secure. Lots and lots of evolution and lots of unknowns that go on there. We'll obviously see innovation in that space uh, come along, but, um, you know, definitely an area that we, we know will expand. We know there'll be a lot of energy placed there, a lot of investment placed there, but exactly what it's going to look like is still uh, very unknown partially because there are so many definitions of edge and we'll talk about that a little more in trends. So those are the things we know that are going to happen, right? We, we can feel really, really confident that you can, um, you know, you can sort of bet that those things are going to happen. You can optimize around those types of things. Now, what are some of the trends that we've been seeing the beginnings of here in the early 2020s that we expect to see uh, expanding out quite a bit in the rest of the 2020s, or at least the, the next four or five years and so forth? I think the one of them is, um, you know, we are beginning to see this this strange sort of dance happening between telcos and the cloud providers. Um, you know, the telcos are in an interesting position in that they've always been able to own their facilities. They've sort of, um, you know, horizontally and vertically integrated what they do. Uh, you know, they own 
you know, last mile to the customer's location. They own devices that people use. Um, you know, they own the backhaul of what they do. But we're beginning to see them, you know, get into interesting uh, relationships with the cloud providers. And, and again, you know, as you get into edge computing, as you get into these sort of interesting scenarios of like, you know, do I work with a cloud provider? Do I work with a telco? What's the blending between those things? You know, so we're going to see some interesting partnerships happen there. I think we'll we'll see some work really well. We'll see some copycat stuff that happens, and then we'll also see some that probably fail terribly, as we've you know always seen in our industry, where um, you know some people are very good at at, uh, at partnerships and some are, are very bad at them, and and then we'll see the obvious sort of. Uh, hey, we'll partner. No, we'll pull back and do it ourselves. We'll partner. We'll pull back and do it ourselves. So, you know, the telcos are going through some interesting uh, transitions in terms of, you know, they move from being very hardware centric and, you know, long term commitments to their vendors to trying to adopt software and open source more and more. Um, that's really changed the dynamics of how they work with their vendors, but also the skill sets that they have to have in house, or they're not just writing these planning documents, they're actually having to maybe get involved with writing code. And now we're seeing these interesting partnerships start to evolve, which, you know, may or may not be successful. um, But we're seeing them, you know, that evolution happen. The second thing we have um, that, that we're beginning to see is, is more and more what I'll call sort of second and third generations of cloud native applications being built. And then the building blocks of those sort of following through. So if you follow the show for a while, you know that we've highlighted things like Snowflake, uh, Snowflake Computing or Snowflake DB, I guess, if you will, um, you know, as being one of these types of companies, right? Like built only to run in the public cloud, um, you know, designed to be, uh, somewhat cloud agnostic, so you can get the same service in in every single cloud. But also, we're beginning to see sort of second order effects where their ecosystem is beginning to build on top of them. So we're you know they're they're saying, hey, the Snowflake layer is solved a bunch of problems for us. We're going to build on top of that, and so we're we're going to start to see more and more. Um, you know, cloud native foundational companies that do these things, we're going to see them be very data centric. And then we'll begin to see ecosystems build on top of them with sort of unique uh, domain specific applications that are going to help uh, either certain industries or certain parts of IT and so forth. Um, The next thing we see, and this is sort of similar to that, but it's a little bit different is we're beginning to see more and more of vendors partnering with the big three, right? So these are, you know, in a lot of cases, like, they began as an open source project. Um, a company commercialized that open source project, and more and more, we're seeing companies, you know, end user customers, if you will, um, you know, using cloud computing. But they want the advantage of sort of the advanced features and functionality that these commercialized offerings have. And so we've seen this with, you know, MongoDB. We've seen this with Confluent. We've seen this with Databricks. We've seen this with like Red Hat OpenShift. We've seen this with a bunch of different things. Um, we've seen this with VMware, uh, where, um, you know, they're working not just to deliver themselves as a SaaS service, but to work with the cloud providers that now become cloud native. And I think the cloud providers are starting to look at that and they're going, okay, we can offer just an open source version, but also we can offer something that's that's more advanced. And and you know we get the benefit of it running in our cloud. Our customers want to be in our cloud, but sometimes they want uh, the advantage of these advanced features that come with this stuff. So I think we're going to see more and more of that. I think the cloud providers are starting to become comfortable with what that partnership model looks like. Um, customers like it because they want to be in an AWS or an Azure or Google or whatever cloud um, and be able to get the services and the applications that they want. So I think we're going to see that as as a very growing and accelerating trend uh, over time. 
And then the last one that, that is an interesting trend, and I don't know exactly how to kind of classify this one, but you know, we're seeing more and more of, you know, we, we've sort of seen the end of infrastructure, if you will. And I, I know that sounds like a weird thing, but you know, I don't think we're going to continue to see uh, nearly as many sort of infrastructure-centric open source projects that then could be picked up and, and delivered as services out of the public cloud. But we are seeing more and more data services. And obviously, you know, that makes a lot of sense. People are generating more data. They're uh, relying more on data. They're looking for AI and ML to help them with that. And so we're seeing this interesting trend of more and more data-level OSS projects that then have to figure out what is their place in the world in terms of commercialization, in terms of becoming native services in the public cloud, in terms of becoming cloud first. And so, you know, I think we're, we're sort of, you know, seeing the end of, of you know, we, we've seen Linux, we've seen Kubernetes, we've seen some things in the open source space that, that sort of redefined what infrastructure looks like. I think we're, we're going to see less and less of that. Uh, we'll see more and more of a sort of data centric ones. And the, the trick with the data centric ones is they tend to be, you know, sort of almost vendor specific and that they're dominated by, you know, oftentimes a single vendor. Um, and it doesn't really, the community doesn't really break out of that. You don't see, you know, 10 people like we do, you know, 10 companies like we do with Kubernetes or 10 like we see with Linux or something. So that's going to be an interesting trend to sort of watch. All right, let me get to the <clears throat> the unknown parts, um, what I'll sort of classify as unknowns. Um, the first one is, is acquisitions. And, you know, if we look back at the trajectory of how uh, other parts of our industry have worked you know usually when a company gets to a certain size uh, you know they you know they get into you know billions and billions of dollars of revenue um, you know their their stare their shareholders their stakeholders even their customers expect them to make big bets they don't want to see you know hundreds and hundreds and dozens and dozens of little tiny you know, $5 million projects and $10 million projects here and there, they need the next billion dollars. They need the next two, three, $4 billion. And so this is oftentimes where we see them start to make big bet acquisitions. And we haven't really seen the big cloud providers do this yet. I mean, we've seen them make smaller acquisitions here and there. They tended to avoid them because it was just such a big cultural change. But it will be interesting as we as we start to see more and more companies begin life as being sort of cloud-first, cloud-native companies, do they start to get acquired, right? So the acquisition model here is still very, very unknown. Um, the cloud providers have sort of said, hey, that's not really our thing. But, you know, at some point, you know, as, as people are talking about, well, their growth rates are slowing down or or whatever, um, you know, will we see them start to make some huge acquisitions? And, and does that market first have to have a set of big cloud native first companies there available for them to, to kind of get acquired? So that'll be an interesting thing to watch. Um, the next is obviously, you know, changes in leadership can can have huge impacts on on companies. And you know, right now, um, I think we're in a relatively stable place uh, in terms of of the big three or big three or four. Um, you know, AWS is probably the most unknown at this very moment in time. Uh, obviously, with Andy Jassy leaving, it's unknown who's going to take over. But you know, you tend to believe that they've got a deep bench that that one will will transition pretty well. But that one's still got some level of unknownness to it. Um, you know, Microsoft seems to be fairly stable. Scott Guthrie, um, you know, Satya Nadella, uh, Mark Ruskovich, and 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 that crew over at AWS or at Azure tends to be fairly stable right now. Um, and then Google seems to have sort of settled into the the uh, the Thomas Kurian era. Um, you know, they're they're becoming who they're becoming. Um, you know, it seems like they're growing, even though, uh, you know, they're still in third place, but but they seem to be growing. But, you know, 
over three, four, five years, uh, you know, leadership changes can always have a huge impact. So that's always something to to keep an eye on and and to see, you know, does that really change any big philosophies of what's going on? Uh, the next thing I had on our list, and we've got two more things we're going to hit to, and then we'll kind of close off this show. Um, the next one we really haven't seen is any major, major pricing wars, right? If you think back six, seven years, right, we always heard about AWS talking about, hey, we're constantly doing price changes. But we really haven't seen now that they have significant competition from Azure and from Google and from Alibaba and some others, you know, really, really significant uh, sort of price wars, right? And and we've seen this in, in every other major industry at some point. Somebody wants to take market share. They're willing to to significantly change the pricing game to, to take on, you know, short-term customers in order to, you know, you know, in order to, to take market share and then, you know, uh, sort of get rid of their, their competition. Um, this is going to be harder and harder to do. I think, um, you know, they, they all have very, very deep pockets. They all have other businesses that they can use to prop up these businesses. So I don't know if we'll necessarily see that, but that's definitely an element of this game that we, we definitely have not seen per se. Um, you know, at least when they were of, you know, relatively similar sizes, right? Like I said, AWS made their name early on for, for doing a lot of price cuts, but we haven't seen sort of pricing wars as we've seen in other industries. And then finally, I think the last thing that becomes a big unknown in this is, is there are there other big emerging players, right? We always talk about the big three. Um, you know, we've seen IBM and, and Oracle and, and kind of companies from, from previous eras not necessarily um, be able to succeed and, and expand out you know, into the cloud era. You know, but do we see an Alibaba becoming bigger than sort of a, a, a regional player? Obviously, you know, if you can dominate in Asia, Asia's a humongous market. Uh, but do they, you know, do we see them expanding into Europe? Do we see them expanding in the United States um, more than they do today? You know, somebody like Apple come along, right? We've seen Apple, you know, curiously hiring uh, a lot of engineering talent um, recently, sort of small groups. But you know, they have huge ambitions to do more than just cell phones. They want to get into healthcare. They want to get into um, you know, various aspects of, you know, speculation on, on autonomous driving and so forth. So, you know, do they become a much more vertically integrated cloud uh, and, you know, tap into, you know, a big segment of, of what the other cloud providers were trying to get into? So uh, with that, I'm going to kind of wrap it up. I've been going for quite a while here. So we really kind of wanted to take this one and look at what are the things we feel really confident in? What are the things that we expect are going to be big change um, areas that, that are still to be determined? And then what are the big unknowns? So hopefully, you know, this gives you some things to think about um, as to, you know, how the next three years, five years, maybe beyond that will evolve here in the cloud space. And uh, with that, we're going to wrap it up. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Thanks for rating the show on iTunes. And we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media.